0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen. Amen. I want to sing like Bo when I grow up. Come on, somebody. Man, Bo. How many of you are thankful that God brought Bo to Hope Church and his wife, man? Praise God for Bo. If you didn't know, now you know, okay? Uh, How many of you love those Christmas songs that we sang tonight? I love Christmas songs. Um, I don't only love like the Jesus Christmas songs. Those are great. I praise God for those. We'll talk about those. But I I like the worldly Christmas songs too, is that okay? I love 12 days of Christmas. That's an annoying song, but I love that song. I love at the end of every Christmas pageant or every Christmas play, the kids would all sing, what would they sing? We wish you a merry Christmas. Oh man, I love that part. I love that part, there's a song I try to hate, there's a song, I, I, I try to hate it, but I can't hate it. Mariah Carey's All I Want For Christmas Is You. See, I worked in the mall for just a few years and every Christmas, and I wanna hate it, I wanna hate it, but how many of you would agree? You can't hate All I Want For Christmas Is You. Some of you are like, nah, I hate it, I hate it. Um. Okay, but my favorite, my favorite Christmas song of all time, my favorite Christmas song of all time, uh, I just want to share it with you now. I want you to enjoy it with me. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Let's, Let's hear it together. Oh, God, come on. No, I wasn't about to sing. You thought I was going to sing it? No, no, no. Come on, come on. Doesn't that give you all the feels? Come on. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Oh, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. What a line. Yuletide cows being sung by choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows. Okay, that's it that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. Oh my goodness, I would have. If you let that play a little bit longer, I just want to wrap some presents, open up some presents, have some Christmas dinner, something. Something. And now I guess we've got to add to the list. Did you the original Noel? These guys wrote a Christmas song. Hope Creative wrote a Christmas song. Man, you guys write songs around here? Where am I? You guys write songs? The original Noel and then the one we just sung is also Hark the Herald Angels Sing, one of my favorites. Let me point you to a lyric just in case you missed it. So much of the Christmas music we have is so deep with theological truths. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. So Pastor Vance preached on last week the incarnation. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man... He became a man and he was pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's some good writing right there. Hark the herald angels sing. Well, tonight, as we continue through a Christmas season, uh, I'm going to teach from a lesser known Christmas song. A lesser known Christmas song written by a teenage girl. It's a teenage girl anywhere between, I don't know, commentators, historians say, maybe as young as 13, as old as 17 years old, this young girl sang a song. It is recorded in the word of God and it has been leading people to worship God for generations. This song is found in Luke uh, 1, 46 through 55. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to there. For those of you who are familiar with Bible study, you know that this is Mary's song. Mary, the mother of Jesus, wrote a song. And in this song, there's such deep theological truths, but for you to appreciate the deep theological truths of Mary's song, you have to understand the context, the situation, the circumstances in which she sung this song. How many of you would agree that context oftentimes, especially when it comes to songs, impacts content? So many good songs are written out of personal experience. Context comes content. Well, what was the context of Mary's life before she sung this song? Well, let me put it up on the screen to make it very clear. Poor, powerless, teenage engaged pregnant virgin that hasn't happened before or since who was going to be responsible for raising the savior of the world. Someone say that's a mess. You think your situation is bad and it might be, but it ain't as bad as this. Poor, powerless, teenage, engaged, pregnant virgin who was going to be responsible for raising the Savior of the world. But it's in the context of her finding out that she is going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world, that she takes a trip to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth confirms, yes, you are going to have the Savior of the world. My baby, John, leapt in my womb. I think something's going on in you, and I think, I agree, the Savior is in your womb. And Following that conversation, Mary sings a song. What does she sing? Let's take a look at it. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Wait a minute. Pregnant virgin, poor, powerless. Somehow you've got to find a way to raise the Savior of the world. And you're saying you magnify God and you rejoice in God. Come on. That doesn't seem real to which I want to introduce the question that I want to explore tonight. How can we, like Mary, praise the Lord and rejoice in God this Christmas season even if we don't feel like it? How do you do that? How do you praise God when your circumstances don't give you reason to praise God? Any of you ever been there before? So here here are a few reasons why I hope you lean in, a few reasons why I hope you're interested in the content of Mary's song. Number one, firstly, everyone doesn't have the Christmas spirit just because we are in the Christmas season. Someone say amen. amen. See, when I was growing up, Not enough life experience. Christmas season came around, and I'm so happy. It's all about the gifts. It's all about Jesus. If someone was bah humbugging, I wouldn't understand why. But after you live a little, come on, somebody. After you go through some things, after you pastor a church in East Oakland, California, come on, you realize Christmas season does not equal Christmas spirit all of the time. And I hope that you and I and Hope Church can continue to be a place that is sensitive to the fact that there are circumstances going in our lives that don't make it easy to praise God. Now, how many of you are thankful for a God who's okay with not feeling like praising God? Some of you or maybe all of you just want to praise God all the time. Well, you're better than me. Let me keep it moving. Here's another reason I hope you lean in. For many people, the Christmas season intensifies feelings of loss, loneliness, pain, and failure. What is it about the songs and the music and the dinners that intensify all that we used to have at a prior Christmas? Who's not going to be sitting around the table this year? Who's not going to be enjoying what you used to enjoy together? What circumstances have changed how you used to celebrate Christmas? And let me just tell you, if you don't have intense feelings of pain, loss, or loneliness during this Christmas season, I guarantee you, you know someone who does. So we need to be sensitive to that. Just the idea of not being with the church family that we had started there in Oakland this year and preaching the Christmas services, there's a feeling of, oh, someone else is going to do that. Someone else is going to minister to them during that time. We would to do an end of the year offering and 100% of that offering would be given into the community. And this year, I I had nothing to do with that. I just watched from afar. I praise God. They raised more money than we've ever raised before. Praise God. The church is doing just fine without me. But if I'm honest, there's some feelings of pain there. Finally, I hope you lean in because the truth is it's much easier to magnify our mess than our Messiah. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, friends. It's much easier to magnify and stare intently. Oh, I don't get to pastor my old church and they raised all this money without me. We could laugh about that one, but there's some serious ones like loss of a family member, people moving away, a health situation that, that it's real. And I'm not saying that your situation isn't as big and horrible as it actually is. My question is, are you magnifying the situation or are you magnifying the Messiah and what he's done for you? My soul magnifies the Lord. In in Latin, that word is magnificat. Magnificat. To magnify. R. Kent Hughes in his commentary about this passage. I lean heavily on R. Kent Hughes' commentary for this message, so a lot of credit to him. He says this, of course, God cannot be made any bigger, but he can be enlarged in one's life. We magnify or enlarge God when we take into thinking some new aspect of His greatness. How many of you are interested in taking into thinking some new aspect of God as opposed to taking into thinking some new aspect of our problem? So that's what we're gonna do tonight. How are we gonna do this tonight? I always have an outline. Here's where we're headed. Two components of Mary's praise. Before we even take the magnifying glass to God's greatness, we're going to look at Mary's praise, and then we're going to close with one reasonable response. Let's look at the components of Mary's praise. We're going to magnify God, but before we do, I'll put the magnifying glass down. We're going to look at the components of Mary's praise. Let's take a look. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Two components. Do you see them there? They're in yellow. What are they? Soul and? You guys are theologians. You've got it. Soul and spirit. Now, what are we talking about? Well, the Greek word for soul is the same word that we get the word psyche from, mind. My physical being magnifies the Lord. This word spirit, pneuma, is where we get the word pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit of God, mind and spirit. Are you tracking with me so far? R. Kent Hughes says it this way, soul and spirit simply refer to the inner self, the I. This combination is a powerful, emotive way of saying my total self, all that I am magnifies and praises the Lord. Now, can I just contrast this for a minute with our tendency to give all of ourself to magnifying our problem. Ever been there before? Soul and spirit. Mind, you think about it all the time and you complain about it with gusto. It's on my mind and I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it with God and I'm talking about it with my friends, I'm talking about it with my coworkers. We know how to do total self. It's just what do we bring that total self to? Can I talk to the fellas for just a minute? Fellas, fellas, fellas. You know how to do total praise. Fantasy football. Come on, somebody. (laughs) All week long, crunching the numbers, choosing the players. You're using your mind, you're using your psyche to think, what is the best mix of players so that I can win this fake football league? (laughs) And then what do you do? Come Sunday morning, you watch all the games that your plays are in, all of them, all of them. (laughs) And you watch your phone And what do you do when your guy scores? Oh, my gosh, you put your pneuma, you put your spirit into it. I'm not against fantasy football, but I'm against giving more of our mind and our spirit to things that are not eternal. So to the gentleman in the room, I just want you to know you have it in you. It's just what do you do it for or with? I was going to mess with the ladies, but we don't have enough time. (laughs) Don't have me talking about your Amazon account. (laughs) And your mind and your spirit and your oomph. Don't. I just will leave that there. (laughs) Let's move on. Here's what I'm saying. To magnify God's greatness and grandeur fully, we must engage our mind and spirit completely. Mind and spirit. Maybe you'd ask yourself at this point, am I more of a mind person or more of a spirit person? Like I love getting in the word and I love the mind and I love the information, but if the truth be told, there's no fire in my belly for the Lord. Then some of you, you just hear one note of good, good father and you lose your marbles. <laughs> There's no mind at all. You don't even know. I don't know what, if that's theologically true. I just That song makes me feel good. And so maybe you got some people in the room who are more spirit. How many of you would say, I want to be one who worships the Lord in spirit and in truth. Someone say amen. Okay. Now, let's pick up the magnifying glass. Now that we know how Mary worshipped, let's look at the content of her worship. Three aspects of God's greatness. Three aspects of God that we can magnify instead of magnifying our problems. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, number one, we're gonna look at God's eyes. God's eyes. What do God's eyes mean? Look at, let's take a look at what Mary sings. What does she sing in her song? She says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he is what? Looked on the humble estate of his servant. See, Mary was magnifying the fact that God's eyes in the midst of her difficult situation were on her. His eyes were looking upon, this word looked on, it's gaze, it's looking intently, my humble estate. She goes on to sing, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary said, I know he's looked on me because. From now on, all generations are going to say, that is Mary, the mother of the Savior of the world. I want to stop here for just a second, do a little digression, a little sidebar here. All generations will call me blessed. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Being Filipino and being raised in a Filipino home and coming from a culture where my parents and their grandparents uh, were in a Catholic tradition for my Catholic friends who are tuning in or listening or you have some of that tradition in your background, you know that the Catholics place a very high emphasis on Mary, very high. But we need to see that Mary places a very high emphasis on who? Jesus. On God, for He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is not my name. Holy is who? His name. I think if Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw how some people praise and edify her name to an unhealthy place, she'd be heartbroken. We don't need to praise Mary. We don't need to pray to Mary. We need to pray and praise the person who Mary prayed and praised to. (laughs) Almighty God. He's done great things for me. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And this isn't only Mary's thought. Look at what Jesus says as was his assignment. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the who? Poor, those of a humble estate. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the what? Captives, those of a humble estate and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty. Those who are oppressed. How many of you see poor, captives, blind, oppressed? Those of humble estate are those whose God's eyes are on praise the lord here in the um what are we looking at here we're looking at uh the sermon on the mount it says it this way blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of god theirs is the kingdom of heaven finally the lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit let me sum it up this way when we're talking about god's eyes We're talking about eyes that look at the lowly. So here's my question to you, friends. This Christmas season, are you magnifying the fact that you are lowly, that you are oppressed, that you are a captive, that you are poor and that it is difficult? Or are you magnifying the fact that God came to look and have eyes and to save people just like me? You see the perspective change. What are you magnifying, that you're lowly or that God's eyes look on the lowly? And let me just say this. For those of you who might say today, well, I'm not lowly, I'm not poor, I'm not crushed in spirit, I'd say, yikes. (laughs) Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Have you become middle class in spirit, Hope Church? Because God has answered some prayers, because things are going good, because you got a promotion. Have you become middle class in spirit? Are you proud that you're not as broken as you used to be? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I don't ever want to be not lowly. Keep me lowly. Keep me humble for all of my days. And if you ever do something good for me and you promote me and you do good things in my life, let me recognize I'm still lonely because that good gift comes from you. And at any moment, you could take that away. Keep us lowly, Lord. Second aspect of God's greatness, God's arms. God's eyes, they look on the lowly. So let's magnify eyes that look on the lowly. Let's magnify God's arms. What does Mary sing about God's arms? He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. There it goes again. What we're looking at here, I'm gonna slow down. You gotta, I'm gonna teach a little bit here. Is that Okay. You're looking at some epic reversals. See, what's happening here, Mary, those first, that God's eyes, she's primarily praising God for something personal. All generations will call me blessed because I'm going to be the mother of Jesus. Now she is praising God for something prophetic. This is incredible. She is looking at things that God has already done and because God has already done them, she is prophesying into what he will do in the future. So she's seeing God topple Nebuchadnezzar. So she's seeing God topple the mighty and because you've toppled the mighty in the past, I know you're gonna topple the mighty in the future. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. She's seen God do these things, and so she prophesies that he'll do them in the future. He scatters the proud. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. The mighty fall and the humble get exalted. You heard that somewhere before, right? First Peter, Peter writes it this way. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying the fact that you don't have much stature in the world and on your job and people don't respect you for for your skills, talents, and abilities? Or do you magnify the fact that God exalts the humble? So I might not be experiencing it now, but in due time, he will exalt the humble. What are you magnifying? And then it closes by saying, she talks about another reversal. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. There's going to come a day when the rich, those who are full and full of things other than God, they will be destroyed. They will be cast away. But those who are hunger and thirsting for righteousness, they will be filled. Jesus said it this way. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying the things, the physical needs that you don't have, the material wealth that you don't have? And oh my gosh, that person has this, that person has that, I deserve that. Or Jesus has given me himself and I come to him. I will never grow hungry. I will never thirst. What are you magnifying? God's arms. Let me just sum it up. Can someone, I'm like dripping uh, and I forgot my little preacher's hanky, something, something. God empowers the powerless and triumphs over the powerful. How many of you are thankful for the strength of God's arms? Oh, that's high-quality cleaning. that's good. That's good. That's not the cheap stuff, that's great. Okay, come on. Uh, see, no jokes, stay focused. Um, because, see, you can either magnify the fact that you're powerless, I'm powerless, I'm powerless, or I magnify the fact that God gives power to the powerless. That's what he does. You can magnify the fact that you're not powerful and why are the powerful people getting away with all the things that they're getting away with. Or you can magnify the fact that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and he will triumph over the powerful. What are we magnifying? Finally, God's memory. <laughs> you can magnify your eyes and the things that you see and the things that you don't have, or you can magnify the fact that God's eyes are on the lowly. You can magnify all the things that you can't do in your own strength and how weak and feeble you are, or you can magnify God's arms who scatters the proud, who topples the mighty, who exalts the humble. And finally, you can look at his memory. Look at how Mary closes her song. This is what she sings. He has helped his servant Israel. He remembered his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God made Abraham a promise. He made a covenant with Abraham. And what did he say? From your offspring, all generations will be what? Blessed. Blessed. Blessed, they will be blessed. And the ultimate blessing was gonna come through the person of Jesus Christ. And just days before this interaction that Mary has with Elizabeth in which she sings this song, Joseph, her husband, got a word from the angel, and look at what the angel said to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Thousands of years prior, God made a promise to Abraham, and Mary is praising God that he remembered and that she would be the means by which that covenant would be fulfilled. God's memory. When is the last time you magnified and you looked at the fact that our God is a covenant-keeping God? And that he saved us from our sins. I sum it up this way. God remembers his covenant to save the sinner. God remembers his covenant to save the sinner. Let me give you the whole message in a sentence just in case you're not paying attention. God's eyes, they look on the lowly. God's arms, they empower the powerless and triumph over the powerful. And God's memory remembers his covenant to save the sinner. What are we magnifying? Because I'm telling you, if you magnify this, what could that do for your marriage? If you magnify this, what could that do for your difficult situation and your finances or your health? Your problem is real, friend. Your struggle is real. But your God is greater. Your God is greater. Just wanna close by sharing how this has just played out in my life, like for real, for real. <sighs> um, especially this last one of, of God's memory, his covenant to save sinners. As I come to the end of the year, I find myself disappointed in myself in some ways. I haven't lived up to being the type of Christian that I know I could be. A Couple ways, my Bible reading. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I get paid to read the Bible but I've made promises to God to be more faithful to read the Bible and I've broken those promises. How can I be someone who gets up here and preaches the word, but I know there's a gap between the the amount of time I'm in my word and what God wants for me and not out of some legalistic, but if I'm really gonna handle the word of God and be responsible, I need to spend more time in his word. And I find myself disappointed that I haven't been able to do that and I've broken promises to God. The second area I find myself just frustrated is in areas of of pride and arrogance. You know, with this whole transition coming up and pastoral leadership and opportunity that's been given to me to lead at another level. It's been so disgusting to see my heart Respond in ways that are prideful and arrogant. As if I did something to deserve it or earn it. But here's where this applies to me. Am I going to, in this moment, magnify my broken promises to God? God said, you said you would read the Bible. Come on, you get paid to read the Bible. Come on, why? Come on, you know this was a gift from God. You know God is the one blessing you and you're just prideful and arrogant. Come on, come on. Am I gonna magnify my unbroken promises to God or am I gonna magnify the fact that God has never broken a promise to me? and that he came to save me from those sins. Those sins he came to save me for. Those sins qualify me for his love and grace and mercy. What am I magnifying? So how do we respond? I think there's only one way to respond. Magnify God. Magnify God. Make much of who God is. Yes, your circumstance is real. But take the thought to what is even more real, more true. The eyes of God whose eyes are on the lowly. The arms of God who empowers the powerless. Who triumphs over the powerful. The memory of God who for thousands of years, he remembered the Israelites thought, when are you gonna come? When is the Savior gonna come? And what do we celebrate this Christmas season? We celebrate the fulfillment of a promise. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. What would your life look like if leaving here tonight throughout 2022 by the power of the Holy Spirit You became a follower of Jesus who magnified like Mary in the midst of her mess the character of God rather than the circumstances of her life. How could your world be changed? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father in Jesus' name, thank you for Mary teenage girl we thank you that her song today is pointing us to you a song of a teenage girl is pointing us to you I pray for the teenagers in this room I pray for the teenagers who may be listening online. God, in only the way that you can, would you impart a faith in them to see that they could have a generational impact for you. And Lord, as we've looked at the words of this teenage girl, God, would you fill our hearts with truth? Would you fill our hearts with your love? Would you fill our hearts more with the truth of who you are rather than the difficulty of what we may be going through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here's how we're going to respond. Here's how we're going to respond. It's going to be pastors who are going to be available to pray for you. For those of you who are here tonight, watching online, you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You've never been made right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. You've never been forgiven. There's never been a moment in your life where you've said, I'm a sinner. There's a gap between me and God. I feel it every single day and I wanna close that gap through faith in Jesus Christ. His perfect life lived on my behalf. His death paying the penalty for my sin and his resurrection, sealing the promise that one day I'm going to spend an eternity with him. If you've never made that declaration, we wanna encourage you, come up to one of the pastors. Feel free to go to one of the folks at our guest services uh, area to let them know, I wanna become a follower of Jesus Christ. For the rest of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, If it is resonating with you tonight, that over the last several months, maybe even over this year, you have been more proficient in magnifying your problems than you have been in magnifying God, I just wanna encourage you, come down to these altars, get on your knees and say, Lord, help me. I've got a bad habit. And it's called complaining. It's called negativity. It's called cynicism. It's called unbelief. I have bought the lie that my problem is bigger than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if that's you, just come down to this altar and pray, Lord, help me. Pastors will be available. Pray in your seat. But that coming down, why do we do this whole coming down thing? Because it requires humility. It requires humility. And there's some of you who are sick and tired of being negative. You're sick and tired of being cynical. You're sick and tired of putting more emphasis on your problem than on your God. And I just want to implore you Walk down the aisle and ask for help. And let God meet you in that place. I'm going to sing a song. We're going to praise God. We're going to magnify God. However, you need to respond, let's respond now.